Hello and welcome to Farm D Unscripted, where we inspire you, educate you, and guide you to write the prescription for your life. I am Dr. Bree and I am Dr. Laquita J. We are your hosts of this lovely podcast. So without further ado, let's get unscripted. Hello, FarmD Unscripted listeners. This week, we have Dr. Nakina Hankins joining us. And Dr. Nakina Hankins is a native of Olive Branch, Mississippi, and currently resides in Middle Tennessee. She graduated from the University of Mississippi in 2013 with a Bachelor's of General Studies with minors in Biological Sciences, Chemistry, and Mathematics. This is where she met Dr. Laquita J while taking her prerequisite classes for pharmacy school together. Dr. Hankins is a 2018 graduate of Howard University College of Pharmacy, where she held university and national leadership positions. She currently practices as a contract clinical pharmacy specialist, concentrating in primary care and anticoagulation at the VA Clinical Based Outpatient Clinic in Southwest Kentucky. She also serves on the National Grand Council for Kappa Epsilon Professional Fraternity as the VP of Communications. Recently, Dr. Hankins was awarded the 2019 APHA Foundation Incentive Grant while completing the Lipscomb University 2018 2019 Community Pharmacy Residency. Dr. Hankins, welcome to PharmD Unscripted. I am so excited to be with you all today. Okay, girl. Okay. <laughs> yes. This, I'm telling you, it's like it's such a full circle moment for me. Like I remember us in biology 160 class, just sitting here with I'm just say struggling, trying to feel like what is this man talking about? We're just trying to strive to be pharmacists, and look at us now, like we have truly arrived. You know, <laughs> arrived. Have business cards. Come on now, girl. Come on yes. now. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We like to take our listeners like on your career journey. We just want to get started. And what interests you in going to Howard University College of Pharmacy instead of Ole Miss? I think you and I probably have a similar viewpoint on it when it comes from not only at that time, the University of Mississippi was the only pharmacy school in the state. So the positive oh, wow. of going to Ole Miss would be that I'd have in-state tuition. I could be near home. I would know somebody that has been through the program, but also from being from Mississippi, we know that whenever there is an opportunity to leave, it is a great time to just give it a chance and don't let home be the reason to keep you there. So I always had an interest in living in D.C. from the first time I went as a teenager. When doing my searches for pharmacy schools that I could apply to with the current prerequisites I had, I saw that Howard University was the only pharmacy school in the state. So I I just kept it simple. I applied to Ole Miss. I applied to Howard, had interviews with both. What really blew me away about my Howard University interview was that it was my first time being in a room full of professionals that looked like me. Come on with the word. Yes. I never never had that experience at home. Um, Let's see, throughout my time of being 
growing up, being born in the area to the time I went to pharmacy school, I recall only meeting one black pharmacist. Um, also, when I went for my interview at Howard University, they spoke about the international rotations, which I did not hear about at my Ole Miss interview. And I knew that it kind of really started me on my track that I'm going on right now, is that if it makes you feel uncomfortable, there's a good chance you should give it a try. And mm. that's that's how I just took that leap of faith. I, I gave it a try. I knew the worst that could I could be told was no. But then when they told me yes, I said, oh, they don't know what they just did. Mm. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes. Okay, Howard. We see you out here. Y'all may not be the real HU, but. Oh, come you on. Know. Let's, not, let's not make this a history lesson. <laughs> I know, right? I know. You know, we have to have to throw that little shade in there. But no, that's 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 awesome. And, and you guys definitely have an amazing school and have amazing people coming out of there just like you. So, and it's, it's really great. I, shout out to all the HBCU pharmacy schools, fam. Yes. Uh, Texas Southern, mm-hmm. Howard, Hampton, because there, I went, I started out at a predominantly white institution in Michigan, and there would be like one black person in a, a class of 125. Mm-hmm. And I feel like HBCUs are so important and so needed to diversify the career of pharmacy, mm-hmm. to help give our patients. Um, someone who looks like them and can connect because culturally we understand on another level. And I think that is so important. So, yes. I would even add to, for me, it was more like, like um, Dr. Hankins said, it was more like when you walk into the room, you saw nothing but people that look like you. And mm-hmm. being coming from Mississippi, you just did not see that. And for me, it's a boost of confidence. So when I'm in practice now, you can't tell me nothing because I know who I am, where I come from, and what I can do. So no matter what you're saying, of like, oh, she's black, you can you can get like the little prejudice and like they try to brown nose you, but it doesn't phase me because I know my study and I know like I've seen so many people that look like me succeed. So the seeds you're trying to plant would never prosper. Right. Yes, I feel that it really takes away that self-doubt that we may have felt at times in areas where there was we were the minority but when you're around and are the majority you don't have that second doubt in your mind and you can focus on you what's in your paper what's on your computer and you make it work without any doubts without any confusion with nothing but pure confidence and so dr hankins you decided to complete a community residency at lipscomb university can you tell us what interested you in doing that what you learned and how your experience was. I knew I wanted to do a residency mm-hmm. from the go of pharmacy school, but I can say that community pharmacy residencies weren't truly highlighted. It was always a traditional PGY1. Mm-hmm. And as I experienced more therapeutic classes as well as my rotations, I was even more confident that I didn't want the traditional PGY1. And I realized a community pharmacy residency was up my alley because it provided me the aspect of the community pharmacy that I loved through my internship at CVS, but it also provided ambulatory care services instead of me having to go all the way through a PGY2. I could get the best of both worlds of what I liked in the practice of pharmacy 
through community pharmacy residencies, such as with Lipscomb, we spent the majority of our time at our community pharmacy sites. It was three community pharmacies that were in the program, but we also had the opportunity to rotate with an, an indigent citizen ambulatory care clinic. So I really got to have that experience of my community pharmacy that I loved and grew my experience in ambulatory care as well, along with the experiences you get with students with a teaching learning certificate. So I felt that it fit my personality, it fit my goals of having a real health experience, um, it fit my goals of ambulatory care, and it also kept me around what I loved the most, which was my patients. Oh, I love that. You know, that's kind of the reason why I had wanted originally wanted to do community pharmacy residency because all the things you really list, because I think it checks a lot of things off the box. Speaking of your residency, what was life-changing experience you had during your residency? My biggest life-changing experience, it was at towards the end of my residency. Um, I met this lady. She and I had the same birthday. <laughs> And she just wanted me to check her blood pressure. So we're just having small talk. And she goes, you know, I've always seen you, but I just never got to talk to you. And you have just made my whole day. And hearing something simple like that from a blood pressure check was what made me feel the most worthwhile. Like somebody just seeing me, having a conversation, reminding them to keep their self up. Because as I like to tell them, I said, if you don't keep yourself together, I won't get to see you again. And I want to see you again. I like to see my patients healthy. Just encouraging her helped me notice that my few words in this one to two minute blood pressure check reminded her to take her time, make sure she takes her medicine every day, be sure to ask questions if she sees me or any of the other pharmacists, but also just a reminder that as much as she cares about her medicine, I care about it too, because I want her to come back. I want you to come get your refills. I want you to let me know that the doctor made a change. It's just those little small moments that make everything about work worthwhile. And it just what I hope are some of the experiences that my family members get with their health professionals. How was your transition from being a community pharmacy resident to practicing pharmacies? I would say the best thing about the residency is that it did not hold back my social skills my small talk, the chit chat. When you're ha- when you're having your um one on one appointments with my patients in the in the primary care area, those little things can help you break down walls. Like I met somebody, he goes, "Oh, I know about by hell you Mississippi." I said, "What you know about that?" It's just, <laughs> or you'll be like, "What are you doing for dinner? How long have you been married?" Just showing that general interest in what the patient has going on, it breaks that barrier of that white coat. It breaks the barrier of the title of doctor. So I think that having that community pharmacy experience is something I never would have been able to have in more of an inpatient setting. But those are things I was able to keep and still prosper. But the things that brought change was that I wasn't doing all of a through Z of the medicine. More, right now, with most of my patients, I met more of like M or N in the alphabet. They have been started on medication. Now we're just trying to put the alphabet in order to make it work best for the patient's lifestyle. Being being a listening ear when a patient says he, 
he or she has a hard time taking multiple medications throughout the day, that's probably a sign I need to change my patient to a regimen that has more of once a day intake instead of two times a day or three times a day. Understanding if my patient forgets to take his medicine when he takes his sulfonylurea, I might need to make some changes on what's going on. So it's making me realize I don't I don't have to do all cooking for the alphabet soup. Mm. I just might need to change up the ingredients or the sequence that I put them in to make it more edible for the patient. That's a great analogy. You have a contract position with the VA. So did you go from your pharmacy resident practice or experience right into that contract or did you have an employment before then? I went from residency to the contract, but let's keep the most important part, is that I took a break. Um, Okay, okay. With the residency ending in the summer and then the contract position, you still have to fulfill background checks and certain credentialing as you do with the VA if I was hired through them. I was able to use that credentialing period as my time for a regroup, a mental break, a fun break, and just... Take a breather when you think yes. about what it takes. <laughs> when you think about what it takes from us going from kindergarten to 12th grade, bam, graduation. 12th grade to undergrad, bam, graduation. Mm-hmm. Undergrad pharmacy school, bam, graduation. You really don't even get a breather in between then because Laquita and I, we stayed in a summer school intercession at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to pharmacy school, you're always stuck in an ippy or an appy rotation. Or you may even be working part-time or doing all of the above. So I would that break between residency, because when you go from graduation to residency or graduation to work, that's not a true break because you practice practicing and studying for your NAPLEX and your MPJE. So that was my first break probably since I graduated high school. So I learned that I like to do things that are simple. I like going to the public library. I like doing jigsaw puzzles. It was just a really good time for me to remember what I enjoy that does not involve a school book, which is really important yeah. when you're making the transition from student to professional. A lot of times we'll talk to our former classmates and they're like, I don't even know what to do when I get off of work. So mm-hmm. I was able to rediscover what I like to do after work, before work, on the weekends with that break. And that's very important. And so a lot of people, I know I personally liked my rotation with the VA and a lot of people are on the marketations and this is really unique that you got a contract position. So how did you land this position? Um, Can you kind of tell us more about that journey? Sure. It was one of those situations where it was who you knew and not what you knew. Um, One of the previous residents that had completed the program, I completed. She left the community pharmacy. I experienced my residency she left from there to do in the contract position. But she and I would still check in with each other. And she said, I remember you telling me that you want to do ambulatory care. I think you'll love what I do at my new job. And they have an opening. And I, I'm giving you the information to apply. So she realized my, my work ethic, my drive. And she had enough confidence in what she saw in me in my few months at that residency to put her name out to reach out and give me some contact information. So whenever you think people aren't looking at you, people are looking at you. And it was really rewarding that she felt confident in my practice in a few months as a resident to recommend me to her job. And then I completed the interview process and it was 
it was really relaxed. It was just asking, what did I have interest in? Why did I have an interest in the veteran community? Certain areas of practice. Um, what are some areas I would prefer to have, I guess you could say, more experience or more practice in instead of the ones I was confident and very strong in? Because mm. even though they had a goal of where they wanted me to go, they also have to keep in mind the other openings that they have. And that's with any job opening. You want to know what strengths and weaknesses your possible employee may have. So the interview process was very cool, calm, but what takes a lot of time is just mainly the background check process, going through um, all of the paperwork and keeping in mind that since I am hired through the contractor, who finds people for the VA, my contractor is my employer. And I'm just so happened to complete my work through the VA clinic. So I have to do a few extra things just to be sure I'm in line with my contractor as well as the VA. Nothing too extra strenuous. It's just look, crossing a couple of T's, dotting a few more I's. Okay. But it was okay. definitely one of those who you know and putting your best foot forward no matter what because you really don't ever know who's noticing you mm-hmm. and seeing you grow and seeing you change. And it really... It really boosted my confidence to know that she saw what she liked, what she saw, and it was strong enough for her to put her word out for me. And people's word, it goes a very long way, but no one has to give it out for you. So how long is your contract? Does the agency use different kind of governmental agencies like Indian Health Service or FDA or anything like that? From what I know of, I'm just sticking to my lane and my application. <laughs> <laughs> I can just only speak that my contract got me through to the VAC box facility. Um, And it's only for a short period of time. Well, to me it's short, but for others it could be long depending on how you prefer to work. Mine is for a year or two. And then at the end of my contract, I can revisit if I would like to stay. Or I may find something else along the way. That, That is a good thing about contracts. You can put yourself in a block. Mm-hmm. set milestones that you want to accomplish and decide do you want to keep moving up onto the next step or take what you learned and be ready to go somewhere else. You kind of have an end point goal no matter what because you're going to have end date when you sign that line. That's a message within itself because I feel like no matter what job you take, if it's not your dream job, you should always have an end date in mind. Even if it is your dream job, you should find a new dream. Okay, <laughs> okay, with the word, okay. Mm-hmm. And if it's your dream job, you're right. Because I'm quite sure if you're constantly growing, you probably have already outgrown that position anyway. You see, they got an opening, something else in leadership, give it a try. The worst anybody can ever tell you is no. Girl, that's a Mississippi thing. That's something my, my dad <laughs> tell me all the time. Like, what's the worst thing you do they can say is no? Go on, put yourself out there. That's yeah. What, <laughs> that's what my dad tells me all the time. So at like a patient level. What kind of challenges you have noticed being the healthcare provider um, in primary care? I would say a biggest obstacle for my patients I've seen in primary care as well as during my time as a community pharmacy resident. People are people feel that, oh, well, my mama had it, my daddy had it. I just knew I was going to have it, so I'll just take this medicine. 
It's so much bigger than that. At that time of diagnosis, a lot of people go through one ear and out the other. So when they're at the pharmacy or speaking with a pharmacist about the medicine, this is their first true time probably even absorbing anything about their disease state. Because they were just, once the doctor said you got this, a lot of people just shut down. So for a lot of my patients, they may have had diabetes for a couple of years, but this is their first time even understanding how the metformin is working for them. How we may need to transition them to insulin because your A1C is not improving. Or the fact that there are other patients out there and you need to understand why you need to take this one with your meal instead of just any time of the day. What it means to have a low blood sugar. I feel that as a pharmacist, their interactions with us is the times that they listen the most. Because you already go into the office with, oh, they're just going to give me these results. I know I'm just going to have this because everybody in the family has it. You can break that cycle by providing great, substantial, well-rounded patient education and even letting patients understand that if you don't understand what I'm talking about or if you're still having questions, come back, give a call or call your doctor, write it down in a notepad, take it to your next doctor's appointment because I've seen a big turnaround in my patients from understanding that, okay, yeah, I have diabetes, but now that I understand what my A1C is about, I know it's time for me to get it, and I I know where I want my goal to be. I know I want to be less than seven. The numbers start to have a meaning. Understanding that I did, I've worked out all day long and my blood sugar was low, it has a better meaning because us as pharmacists are providing that core education about not only the medicine, but the disease state as well. We like to leave our listeners with a jewel of the day. And that is just a word of encouragement, something that um, has gotten you through a piece of advice. And we just want to see what you would like to leave with our listeners. My jewel is that it is okay to keep discovering you. I believe that us being a lot of time leaders in our community, leaders in our family, we've worked so hard. People know that we can do things well. They expect us to be top notch all the time. But sometimes we need to venture out and look for something different. Sometimes a failure can make you find out that I'm not great at this, but I want to keep doing better at it. I don't have to be 100%, but I just want to keep finding out what I like, what I don't like. And that constant revolving, changing yourself is the best thing that you can do for you. We don't have to stay in the box. And it's something I'm really trying to lead my own life with by trying out new workout classes putting myself in um, new avenues to meet meet people. Because most times I could just go home, go to the gym, go to bed, repeat, and it's my day-to-day. But I realize if I don't ever try to make a change and do something different, I'll never keep growing. So it's okay to, it's okay to keep discovering you to be different. You may lose a couple of friends along the way. But your friends are also changing too and Mm -hmm. just being pure to yourself and realizing what you like and what you don't like is the best thing that you can do for yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. And it's okay to acknowledge that you're still discovering yourself. I love that. Yes, because I definitely feel I'm in that arena and um, because I'll be 29 this year and I feel like I'm having like a not a midlife crisis, but a 20-something crisis. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it, hits, it hits heavy at 29 because mm-hmm. I'm right there as well. Yes. Yes. And um, so that is what I'm trying to do is, like, keep discovering myself and 
really just like understand what my goals are for the next few years and things that I really, really want to accomplish and just, just living you, as they say, living, living your best life. That's what I'm trying to discover what that means for me. Mm. So, <laughs> so yes. I'm still figuring it out. Michelle Obama has really changed how I'm figuring it out with her Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. And she, especially when she took her stand where she said, I had to realize if if Barack isn't coming home in time for dinner, I need to go ahead and eat dinner. And I said, I do. Let me go ahead and eat dinner. If everybody else don't show up, my plate is made. Dinner is set. Let me eat dinner and enjoy it. Yes. Me, and mm-hmm. I hope the adventures of 29 makes the 30s everything I need for it to be and more. <laughs> yes. It will be for the 30 plus year old. <laughs> yes. Well, it was a pleasure having you, Dr. Hankins. Um, can you tell our listeners how and where they can connect with you. You can connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. It's just name, Nikina Hankins. You can look for me on Instagram. My name is Nikki Secrets because if you're on my Instagram, it means you're really special. And I'm letting you into the little caveats of my world, (laughs) which mainly include my cat, arts and crafts, and enjoying good books. Yes. Oh my goodness. We're going to have to connect because I love reading and I love me a good book, girl. Because, uh, yes, Becoming was amazing. So, yes. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed our show. That is the end. But before we go, remember that sharing is caring. So, share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Follow us on our social media platforms of Facebook and Instagram at Farm so you can interact with us, leave feedback, share your stories, and all that goodness that social media has to offer. Until next time, we will see you later.